back to FinTalk brought to you by Vermo. Here we discuss pressing topics in fintech, regtech, covering regulatory, collateral, and digital across banking and insurance and finance. Vermic has been proud to deliver innovative software solutions in the industry with stability and cost efficiency for our global Rostock clients. With over 20 years of trusted transformation in finance and insurance, we're bringing industry's top expertise to FinTalk. I'm Jared Akta, and I'll be your host for this podcast. Welcome back to Fintel. Thank, Thank you, you, Enrico, for joining me again. We'll have to give you a badge. There's a badge. I'm sure you know. The, do you remember the Blue Peter badges? Uh, yes. We'll have to get one of those made, won't we? So. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> no, thank you for coming back. And I know the reason for coming back is the PRA released the first part of the near final rules yes. for Basel. And I say near final. That's very yes. Important. Yes. They they are still keeping the door open for last minute changes, and there's still a few, a couple of items that are that have a consultation running. So they are still evaluating the, the the responses that they are getting. But like, it was a nice Christmas gift, I have to say. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. It wasn't just one paper. I mean, they dropped the Strong Simple first region yes. anyway, and that was another kind of a little gift. It, yeah. came, it came a couple at once, was it? A bit like a London bus. Yeah, they wanted to give a reading list for <laughs> for Christmas to to people in, in this industry. Yeah. Let them sleep in some way. Yes. <laughs> so, last time you were on here, you we we spoke about the CP to do with this paper that got released. Any major changes that you've seen come out of it from the CP to what it is now? Nothing groundbreaking. The only change that I would say was more of a confirmation rather than a change, which is relevant for everyone who's considering the the, the implementation, is that. Whilst the rules, the principles are, broadly speaking, more in line or closer to the EBA implementation of the rules rather than the the US version of the rules that was published uh, at the end of the summer, they have espoused the implementation date defined by the US. So rules closer to Europe, but implementation date closer, same as effectively as, as the US. So they've tried to strike a balance, I would say. But in terms of like actual requirements or regulation changes, there's, I would say, more clarification of points that were left open in the consultation paper rather than than new items. Yeah. And, you know, we've got to be aware that it's a near final rule. So there's, yes. there's definitely going to be more amendments as we go through this process now. You'll see, you know, we, we had a look and we saw some stuff around the CVA and the option to kind of, not include the new exposure classes and 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 things like that. You know, so they put some kind of linear yes adjustment into that. There's a couple. Um, there's the one that you just mentioned on CVA. The other one that is worth mentioning is on on the internal model approach for market risk. So on the on the most advanced between the three option of calculation methodology that that is available. What the the PRA is saying, there is an optionality to include the desks that have not been approved, so they they are not meeting the requirement yet for for inclusion in the model. They can be included from a capital perspective up to, to 2026. So there's a sort of ease in period for in order to facilitate uh, the the inclusion of these desks from a capital perspective mindful of the fact that the all in all we've we've known frtb for a good 10 years now but the the 
actual final rules from from the regulators are coming very close to the to the deadline to the go live deadline and so they are recognizing this and giving it wherever possible they are allowing a little bit more leeway in terms of these opportunities and i would say comparing the the three macro uh, the three macro regimes so like comparing us rules eu rules and and uk the pra seems to be the the most seems to have taken the most pragmatic approach so giving a, a little bit more leeway even even in terms of like what is required for example for for an application a regulatory application the the threshold in terms of extent of the evidence that needs to be provided seems to be a little bit lower than what requested by other regulators yeah i mean it allows for competition as well isn't it aligning the dates and everything with yes, the us yes and- it's born from a desire to not create too much of a difference with banks operating in the European Union because this would create arbitrage opportunities. At the same time, it keeps the date consistent with the US, mindful that, especially here in London, we have a lot of large US banks with with a significant presence. So trying to not create internal diver- too much of internal diver- divergence there. Yeah. Just to move on to the talking about the euro, we had only recently on the 11th of January, the EU now dropped their first release on on the yes. market risk and FRTB. Yes, so they 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 dropped just just before Christmas. They dropped as well a, a new a revised version of the of the rules. But then, as you said, in January they revised, and this is m- more important in a, in a sense from a reporting perspective. They dropped the the regulatory technical standard that defines the reporting requirements. So uh, what we've seen there, and, and it's interesting because probably gives an indication also of where the PRA will, will move towards. We've seen what I cannot call other than an explosion in the, in the volume and detail of the, uh, the information that has to be disclosed. So we have a lot more templates than not only what, what is in the current framework that banks are still using today, uh, but also uh, compared to what was anticipated in the previous uh, version of the uh, of the technical standard. So yeah, it's a lot of change in the in the euro. Yes, we have in total market risk will go from from six templates as it is the case today to a total of up to twenty eight templates. Again, which which templates uh, need to be need to be reported is dependent on the. Uh, on the product scope, on the type of calculation, and on the model approvals. But yeah, yeah up to 28. That's going to be a significant change. It's going to be a significant change. What is interesting is that in addition to disclosures on the specific calculations, we now have, I think for the first time, certainly within the capital framework, we have templates where banks have to justify, and if you think about it, it makes sense thinking about the the the, the the underpinnings or the foundation of FRTB, but banks will have to report also on the on the reclassification of desks and positions. So when when a position moves, for example, from from being classified to from the banking to the trading book or vice versa, banks will have to justify a report on a quarterly basis on on this this information. Yeah, there's a lot more scrutiny now. Yes, yes, and, and the question will be. What will the regulator do with this with this data? We are seeing in general there's a lot more across the board, not limited only to the capital framework, but like regulators are increasingly asking for more detail, more granular information. The question will be for banks understanding 
how this data is used, right? And in the in the reviews that no doubt will 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 the, the PRA will start making once the 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 go live data is passed. It will be interesting to understand which kind of conclusions are are derived from the data and which kind of questions banks be asked. Yeah, and data with the regulators is, is a big always a big topic, but we see that in in the APAC region in the GDR reporting mm-hmm. with transformer data collection here. Yes, we're seeing Dora in in Europe as well. Yeah. It's all kind of moving into that granular data reporting it's moving it. it's moving to that area and it's it's moving to a dire- direction that in a way was anticipated by uh, the US if you think about the format of most of the templates in the Y9C and Y14Q report th- those those kind of reports compared to the core that everyone is familiar with uh, here in Europe are a lot more granular a lot more akin to a data dumps rather than summary of calculations, right? And the Federal Reserve has has made no mystery uh, that they use this data to perform analysis internally and infer their own assumptions on the evolution of capital or or the the modeling that the bank has has implemented. And they use this data to challenge then banks. So definitely it seems like there's, there's a movement towards this approach even here and in APAC. Yeah, and it's it's slowly evolving, and it's starting to grab now more attention yes, as we go yes. through. Yes, and it's it's an incentive for banks or, or or a driver for banks to to get their house in order in terms of data quality, in terms of availability of reference data. There's all those themes that we've we've heard and and mentioned for for a long time, but now we are seeing that within a new coherent framework that is represented by Basel three point one the regulators are actually putting this into practice and, and showing us where they are heading. Yeah, and it's kind of refreshing. I mean, yeah, like you say, we, we've spoken about it, spoken about it many times, yes. right? This, this is the same theme that goes in again. And there's only recently the Dear CEO letter that the PRA just yes. released as well. Yeah. Again, it just feels like a summary of the last two Dear CEO letters. And just... it, it is, but the reason why the, the letter is structured as it is, is because effectively from the reviews from the section 166 that have been carried out, the one of the constant themes was the data is not accurate and like the reference data is not accurate. And therefore, if the inputs are not correct, then the output of, of capital can only be incorrect. Yeah. And that's just a common theme. It's going to keep going and getting house in order is now... Yes, it's, it's it's a it's paramount. It represents, uh, from from what I'm seeing in the market, it represents an ever growing component of implementation projects, implementation initiatives. A consistent part of the budget is focused on improving the data, getting the data right, or sourcing the data that to, until today we we haven't had in the organization and we had to make do. Nowadays, with the explosion, even in volume of the calculations, because if if we talk about the FRTB, for example, it's it's a lot more granular, it's a lot lot more data intensive than the, the framework that had preceded it. It becomes impossible to make do with the data you have. Yeah, and we talk about calculations and stuff. I want to just bring this bring this back mm-hmm. to last time we spoke about the approaches around market risk. I know we, yes. from a vendor point of view and from a consultant point of view, spoken to your clients and we spoke to our clients. There's still clarity required around. Okay, what is it? What approach are we going to take? We're currently on this approach, or should we go on the standard approach, or uh, you know, are we going on the advanced simplified uh, approach? Where is that now? 
kind of falling? Are people just saying, look, we, we know what we're doing. Why change it? Just do what we continue doing. We, uh, well, uh, let's, let's try and summarize it quickly. There's, there's three approaches possible. The first one is the simplified standardized approach, which will be applicable from uh, the first in the UK from the 1st of July 2025. It only applies to entities with very small and very simple training books. So there's specific quantitative requirement, both quantitative and qualitative requirements, defining whether an entity can apply this methodology, which is very similar, almost like largely unchanged from the current standardized approach, which uses a, a combination of notional and uh, sensitivities to capture to capture risk positions. This methodology, as I said, it's only applicable in very limited circumstances, where the regulator wants the majority of uh, firms to be on is on the second methodology, which is the uh, alternative standardized approach. Effectively, it's going to be the, the baseline standardized approach that most firms will, will adopt. This is quite a complex calculation, to be, to be perfectly honest. It aims to capture in a much more granular and accurate way risk profiles of positions that are more complex than a simple, a simple portfolio used, for example, for a hedging interest rate uh, or, or FX risk. And it, it split itself into three components, three, three calculations based on the sensitivity. So aimed at capturing the risk profile of, of positions, uh, a default risk charge, which is used for capturing, as the name suggests, the default risk uh, of both credit and equity positions. And then there's a, there's a final catch-all calculation, which is the residual risk add-on, which aims to capture products which have either a complex payoff profile, so I'm thinking your binary options or options with specific features, or instruments which have exotic underlying, so whether derivatives, crypto, or other, other non-standard underlyings. On top of uh, this uh, second methodology, so in, on top of the alternative standardized approach, you have an uh, alternative uh, internal model approach which is an evolution of the current internal model approach, what normally people know, generally speaking, as, as the VAR calculation. The VAR measure is replaced in, in this uh, approach, which is, again, a lot more complex. And what the regulators have done compared to the current regime is they've uh, increased the bar in terms of the requirements, the complexity, and the data that is required in order to be eligible for, uh, for application of this model. And they do that on a desk-by-desk -desk le uh, level. So there's very complex requirements on the eligibility of each desk and the eligibility of the entity as a whole for this methodology. Uh, but what is what is key to what is key to to stress is that both from, from what we are seeing in the in the industry, both the alternative standardized approach and the alternative internal model approach at the moment, if properly implemented and we can discuss on what if properly implemented or like let's let's rather say after a period of fine-tuning to really iron out and, and perfect how the calculation is implemented, how the reference data is used, they are not leading to the significant capital increases that were originally anticipated. Like if, if you think about like a couple of years ago, 
people were, were talking about the 40 to 60% increase in RWAs. That is not the case. There are some increases, but they are not as significant. And for all these approaches, do the, does the firm need to apply for permissions? So there is no application for the simplified standardized approach. There is a requirement. The firms have a certain degree of optionality in the alternative standardized approach for, for treatment of certain elements for which they need um, permission from the regulator. So there's many, many applications. And then there is clearly a, a, an extensive application required for the alternative internal model approach. Yeah. Are you seeing firms now starting to go down, you know, off, we're thinking of going down this route, actually now, no, we're going to go down. Uh, not so much a change in in strategy, rather an effect or an impact on the timeline. So everyone will have, put, putting aside for a second firms, which will be on the simplified standardized approach, every firm that will have, that will use the internal model approach will likely have to build or will have to build also the uh, the capability to report using the alternative standardized approach because of the fallback impact on each desk that doesn't meet the requirement but in general firms are working at the moment they are mostly working on the uh, alternative standardized approach what we are seeing and what we've seen in the, in the last year not really affected by so much by the the move in the the shift in the in the go live date or by the clarification in the latest publications but what we've seen is fewer banks are thinking of fewer banks that today have internal model approval are thinking of uh, implementing the alternative uh, internal model approach because this requires a new application even if they if they are already approved under the current framework and it's quite it's a quite expensive process and it's it's also quite cumbersome in terms of implementation so what we've seen is a little bit of kicking the can down the road so maybe banks that thought of of going live with the calculation maybe in 2025 2026 are now saying 2027 2028 okay so what's your advice to firms now now that the final paper is is here now that the final paper is here, I think the the advice, generally speaking, hasn't changed. Try to understand the rules and understand what the impact on your business will be. As we as we discussed, there's there are businesses more impacted than others, and so having a clear understanding of the of the impact on the calculation uh, that this calculation will have on on capital uh, and on the various businesses is key, and then. If the process for implementing these calculations hasn't hasn't started, it, the time to act is now, really, because if you think of it, there's 18 months uh, roughly left. And in my experience, especially if we are talking about tentative standardized approach and up, 18 months is literally the bare minimum that will be needed for implementation. Yeah, that's going to fly by, right? If yes. You look at year end, quarter end. Yes, especially end, especially considering just... that that most firms will want to have at least three, if not six months of yeah. parallel run with the calculation to assess the impact and, and iron out those differences. Yeah, and that's very similar to what we're we're seeing as well. Is a six month lead time to, yes. uh, to be able to test and run and yes. fine tune and yes, get your house in order ultimately yes. and meet all those requirements that the regulator keeps sending us. Um, are you expecting any more change 
to happen? Not so much. I would say that the, the difference between the near final rules and final final rules should be minimal if if non if non-existent. Of course, the we've only seen the first half of the of the movie. So the 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 market risk calculations are not operating in in complete isolation. There is an impact on the CVI calculation and the CVI calculation themselves are then linked to the counterparty credit risk calculation. So and and the, the PRA hasn't published that part of the of the Basel 3.1 framework. So still to be seen if there's any unforeseen impact or or cha- last minute change that that links up these three calculations. Yeah, I think that's been the issue is you know from a, from a tech point of view as well when we're trying to build it. Actually, they've still got yes. some parts of the puzzle that's still quite yes. not there. So it's yes, we can build this bit, and then yes, we got to then we wait until that final bit is there before we finalize and and then move yes. forward with that. And I and I think that the the pressure for you would be from the point of view of your clients wanting the the finished product as soon as possible. Yeah, of course, that's always the problem, isn't it? <laughs> and then, but then we have the data issue, because which is the other, is, yes, which yes. is kind of the the kickback, isn't it? Yes, the data issue and and the reference data. It's, that's that's the part that I'm that I find quite interesting. How how banks like because of course it's not it's not up to to software provider like you to to provide that kind of data. So it doesn't form part part of the package, but it it really is part of the package from the, from the bank's perspective, and we are seeing a, a mix of internal and external solution being implemented or being developed for the provision of this data. So it, it's quite interesting how how it's it's evolving, and in in some aspects, the PRA themselves have clarified in the final rules that. There's there's certain provisions there for the use of externally sourced reference data for the calculation. So this is included and acknowledged in a way by the regulator. Yeah. So lastly, mm-hmm. you know, we spoke before. We've had the CEO letters, data, house and order, referential data. You know, I say test scripts, but I mean mm-hmm. test the scenarios that you want to build. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's the kind of message we're we're kind of coming across is. You do your impact analysis. You know, if you yes. haven't done it, you got to do it. If you need to, then apply for your permissions. You got to start applying. Yes, getting those, getting those in. Yes, those those are the the key pillars. I would say the only other element that I would probably mention is uh, processing controls. That is another element that in the in the PRA reviews of market risk implementation historically has come has come out as one of the areas needing improvement this is an opportunity for for firms to to in a sort in, in a certain way clean the slate start afresh but really requires thinking about how how the the interaction between the various teams how the controls will be implemented who will be responsible for the controls on data that comes from from different from different areas from different teams and not always the the finance team that usually is responsible for for regulatory reporting is best suited or or armed with all the tools in order to monitor the data uh, accordingly. Yeah, that's a good point. And you know, it's it's now starting to become a collaboration between the risk teams yes, and yes. finance teams, front office. Everyone now starts to get involved yes. in providing that kind of process and controls and exactly. governance around it. Enrico, you mentioned movie, and I know we spoke offline about Saltburn. Yes, out of ten. 
my personal rating would probably say four out of ten. <laughs> we won't give any spoilers away, but no. Excellent. Something to look forward to. Enrico, thank you so much for being back on this. It's thank really, you. It's been an absolute pleasure.